I like your background, by the way. Thank you very much. That's very kind and lovely way to start the show. Nava likes my background. We are live. Thanks, Anton. A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Nava Hawkins. Thank you for having me. Rather it's... than trying to sing, here's the silly voice that we all have to make fun of. Oh, I like that. That's a cool voice. It's uh, with a name like Nava and being a gamer, I have to have a solid Navi voice uh, to pester right. people into doing what they need to do for profit. Can I make a point about this specific show? Is that that might get annoying after 30 minutes? That's that's why it was one thing. Brilliant. Oh, you know how to doze it and keep things reasonable. <laughs> that's wonderful. So thank you for stepping in, um, stepping in at the last moment, but absolutely delightful to have you. It actually just meant moving your date forwards a couple of months, and it just means that I had less time to prepare. But I did have a look at your brand SERP, if we can show that. Uh, you've got a delightful brand SERP with some lovely images, and you're obviously a big Twitter fan because you've got the Twitter links at the top. If we can, there we go. The Twitter links at the top, um, LinkedIn, then Twitter, and search engine journal, and then the pictures, which is delightful. And then I thought, I wonder what videos you've got. And you've got a delightful video, if we show the next slide. They all come from Twitter. GIFs are a beautiful thing. Uh, so if, if you want to hack the video SERP, just abuse GIFs in your tweets. Not only right. do they add that, that beautiful accent, uh, with a little bit of flavor, uh, they get perceived as videos, so it's it's a great way to hack the SERP. It is, with absolutely no effort at all except clicking on a button. Oh, we're making the right choices, because if you choose the wrong GIF, you look like a fool. Or you you dare to say GIF. Big controversy. Ooh, ooh, well, I actually do say GIF, and I change it to GIF because I want to fit in, because that's what you said. And it's that thing of just copy what everybody else is saying. It It, it really is whatever makes you happy. And so long as, as you provide the right file and it's, it's a good one, it doesn't matter whether it's peanut butter or the correct way. Is there a correct way? Peanut butter? Uh, so Jif is a peanut butter brand. So that, that's me owning that in the U.S. There's, there's a brand called Jif. And so those of us that say GIF, right. we, like, we like to say that, that those that say the other way, the peanut butter way. Oh, right. Okay. Brilliant. Wonderful. So as you said, this is all fun, isn't it? And what you've managed to do is make conversion rate optimization fun, which I find very difficult to believe because conversion rate optimization is basically making your buttons green, making the text as big as possible, and having click here written in big capital letters. So that ignores the story of how the user got there, why, what their motivations are. So if, if we think about conversion optimization from just the, the, the data standpoint, uh, what are the specific metrics that, that we're looking at? Uh, what are the tests and controlling for that? It, it can get very boring and it can be very daunting because you have to have enough uh, statistical significance in order for whatever you're going to do uh, to function. Uh, I, one of the reasons why I, I am so drawn to conversion rate optimization uh, from both a pre-click, um, as in before the user goes from the search result page or the SERP uh, to the landing page, or from the ad, depending on, on uh, the experience, uh, as well as post-click, is that there, there is a true story of what is the user uh, looking for, why are they looking for it, uh, and, and how can you play on 
uh, color theory? How can you play on placement theory, image theory? Like there's a, a whole slew of things that you can play with. Um, and so if, if we only think about CRO from the standpoint of here's a button, it's now a different color as opposed to, all right, most, uh, I think it's most men, there was a crazy egg stat, uh, hate the color orange. Um, like it's just, it's, it's not going to do well, but we as the, in we, the internet have decided blue and orange is the color, are the colors of the internet because blue is extremely uh, calming and orange is extremely energizing. Well, if, if you tailor to men, you might alienate half your audience. So. Well, I, sorry, can we come back one small step? Blue and orange is the color of the internet. That's news to me. So um, this this might be dating uh, and and put, putting uh, my perspective and how I grew up in, into marketing. Uh, one of the, the the fundamental principles of design theory that was drilled into my head when I was going uh, through university is that everything has to be blue and orange. Uh, and then for a while, you would see a lot of websites that were either blue and orange or all blue or having orange right. as the accent color, um, specifically because those pairings did really did really well. Uh, and in studies, if you were to believe said studies, again, all data can be manipulated however you'd like. Um, blue is a, is a very calming color. That's why, ironically, um, like Facebook, for as much hate as it, as it inspires, I think one of the big reasons it survived as long as it has is that the color of the actual interface is blue and, is blue and white. And when the new interface, the new um, desktop, uh, right. where it kind of pulled the blue back, um, people hated it. My, my personal theory is that it's not just that it was change and abrupt change, and it was confusing layout, you also lost that calming effect so that people were willing to put up with the nonsense of a bad UI. So, right. Okay, so Facebook dominates the world because it's blue and YouTube has got no chance. Oh, well, I do think it's interesting. When I think about YouTube... That was tongue-in-cheek, think, by the way. Uh, no, but it's... It, <laughs> You you know me well enough to that like if you give me something I am going to go with it. So know, this is not what you want to talk fun. about. We need to we need to pivot. Um, but I actually like I can't. So th this is going to alienate a, a good hunk of folks. Um, I firmly believe in the red shirt theory. Ironically, you are wearing a red shirt. Um, that red is if you are wearing red, you are you are doomed to 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 fade because red is a very angry, danger-oriented color. Oh, and right, that's so, bad I, news. Oh, oh. But, but what's interesting is that YouTube's logo over time, it, it seems to have shifted more that red into kind of accent as opposed to, to the dominating effect. Like you see more of the gray, more of the white, um, more of the yeah. black. Um, and so mm -hmm. it's, I, I don't like serif fonts and oh, logos. Right. Um, because they're harder to read. I prefer sans serif and, and red is just not one of my favorite colors when it comes to logos and design theory, but. But, but, but thank you for pointing that out. I now know what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep washing this shirt. Week no, because then out. it becomes pink and pink is the worst. That's is not it? color theory. That's just my personal opinion. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I, can I put this shirt in uh, the same wash as a pair of jeans and then it will yeah. kind of blacken up? Do that. Right. Okay. That's my next plan for next <laughs> week is to wash this shirt 90 degrees with a pair of... It's a dashing shirt. It's a wonderful shirt. Thank you very much. That's very good. I've actually got three of them uh, and they're exactly the same.
Um, anyway, back back to color. In fact, I was thinking about Cal Gillis, who gave a great talk about um, conversion rate optimization and the fact that not that the same color won't necessarily always work in different circumstances. But you can't that, count on mm-hmm. green or blue or red or whatever. It depends on the context. Well, so this is this is also what's interesting. Um, we uh, so I, I work at a, at a company called Justino. Uh, we help folks with with their on page CRO, and and one of our clients, uh, his theme, like the the actual uh, Shopify theme uh, for for his site, uh, is black, white, and red. Now I personally cringe at that a little bit, um, but he he does very well. He closes business, but the thing that stood out to me and and. It's just interesting when you're looking at what themes you're choosing for for your sites. Um, what are the little call to action color themes going to be? So for him, adding something to the cart put a red pop up. So in any other circumstance, you would believe red is danger, but because of the theme of the site, people maybe were more forgiving of it. Um, but it's just it's interesting to see what does the what does the theme that you choose. Uh, how well does that paint the story for easy paths to conversion? Is in people are trusting, it's calming, it's an experience right. that is similar to what others have. Versus, do you go out on a limb? Do you l- be a little bit more risky? But you potentially are setting yourself up to to have a tougher time getting people to behave the way you want them to. And that that is the heart of CRO: is what variables are we willing to test, and what are the uh, the consistent elements that we just need to have for benchmarking. Okay, well, so we, we've talked about color, and I actually, after all that, and there's no reply to this, I'm struggling to find any colors you do like. Uh, you've, you've actually gone, oh, purple, right, okay. So I love purple. We made a lucky choice. I know. I was, I was so excited when I saw that. And it's complete luck because my, my ex-wife does the design and she was asking me, what color should we use for each person? And I got, ended up getting so kind of, I, 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 I was just saying, you pick one. You look at the person, you pick the color you think goes with them. So she's obviously well, incredibly perceptive. Very clever. Very, um, not, cl- not clever in some regards, but clever in this regard. Brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Anyway, um, talking about Cal Gillis again, who's my basically my one and only reference in conversion rate optimization, because I saw one talk by him once two years ago. Uh, he also mentioned saying you in the copywriting and Booking.com do it incredibly well, where you is mentioned 55 times in the page as you're converting. Is that fair comment? Just keep saying you? Uh, so if, if it's not about keep saying you, it's about consistent brand voice and owning what is the tone that you want to have. Right. Um, so I did a study a while back uh, that looked at ad creative uh, and, and what signals were most inclined uh, to get the user to click the ad and then what were most inclined to get the user to actually convert. What was really interesting is that, yes, you, your, she, he, uh, kind of speaking to the user in in that direct language was helpful, but far more important was being transparent uh, and saying that, like, here's the experience that you're going to have. And then you lay on the landing page, and and that is the experience that, that you're going to have. So, for example, mm. so go ahead. No, no, sorry. I, I was thinking about the voyage you were talking about earlier on, and it's basically as you bring them through the voyage, you're mm-hmm. building up this promise of what they're going to get at the end of the voyage, and that promise is the land or the, the conversion page, and you need to have built up that expectation for that at the landing ver- page at the- to fulfill that expectation that you built up. 
Exactly so. Uh, so, for, so for example, if someone is searching for, uh, we'll, we'll pick on Mother's Day. Uh, we, right. we all are need to scram- scramble or we're already prepared and we have our Mother's Day plans already set. Uh, if we're looking for Mother's Day uh, flowers, uh, will arrive by Mother's Day. An ad that talks about, or even a, a landing page from the organic SERP uh, talking about Mother's Day flowers, uh, talking about uh, delivery in time for Mother's Day will do better than an ad that just says uh, cheap flowers or mm-hmm. like top rated flowers or uh, shipping all over the U.S. Because that's that's not necessarily what the user's primary uh, motivation is. They're, they're going to be more drawn to the, the the actual event and then it can arrive in time and less concerned potentially about price. Like someone who is, I don't know about the, the rest uh, of you or, or and I, I know you you genuinely care. You are one of the most compassionate, empathetic people um, ever. Uh, when it comes, <laughs> when, when it Thank comes. Thank you very much. I'm feeling a bit, a, a bit embarrassed now. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's my job. It's my job oh, to, sure. to say nice things. Yeah, um, I, I just invite people on who say nice things about <laughs> me. Thank you, Nala. That was brilliant. Um, but but if so if if you're um, if, if you know that you need to have something arrive, sometimes people will actually pay a premium right. uh, to guarantee that it arrives in time. Um, and it's it's kind of the oh I'm I feel so guilty I didn't plan ahead. So you're you're actually able to get a, a get away with potentially charging more or upselling additional items like ah oh no it might not arrive in time. So when it does arrive, I'll, I'll tack on a couple of extra things so they, they won't notice. Um, and that's actually the beauty um, for on-page CRO uh, of kind of the, those upsell items. So like, oh, you've unlocked free shipping. You now can get 20% off if you hit XYZ price amount. Or Ooh, Yeah, I, I get already, caught with that all yeah. the time. Oh, you must work for all the, all the sites I buy from them because I systematically get caught by the, if you add extra 15 euros, you get free shipping. And I actually don't care about the free shipping, but I'm still attracted to that offer. I mean, I'm curious, what would you say is the main reason why you're interested? Is it you want to earn the thing or you're like, I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious if the free shipping isn't what's motivating you? No, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I think it's kind of like that that childish thing when you're 12 years old and you've got your full collection of cards. Um, I'm basically a football sticker collector who's got a gray beard, which is slightly sad now I say it. I do apologize. Well, we're, we're all completionists. Uh, Ooh, so completionist. The, There's a yep. word for it. Oh, mm-hmm. lovely. Uh, th- those of us uh, that, are, that are gamers and will, will very much understand you, you put a lot of hours into a game, not necessarily because there's more content but that you need to play, but because you need to 100% it. And CRO principles very much bank on that gamification of the shopping experience. So not only are you creating an experience that's trustworthy, uh, that it's, it's inviting, that it plays to the buyer personas that uh, you know are most likely to purchase from you, but you're also playing off of that very human need to win. And, and if you can turn that, that, conversation about your product and services into a win for your end client, they are not only going to be very happy to give you their money, they're also going to be very happy to keep being brand advocates because it the CRO doesn't stop 
once the sale has been made. There still is an right. opportunity to nurture them. There still is an opportunity to to grow their customer value, to get them to refer other folks into you. So it's when you stop thinking about CRO as a one-time transactional thing and, and about that journey that we talked about, um, that's that's when there's a lot of value and right. fun. Fun. Oh, yeah, we forgot about the fun part. <laughs> but coming back to that journey, I mean, I, 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 I mean, underneath you've got in PPC Sith. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm guessing the reason you're so keen on CRO is because with PPC, you have to convert in order to justify the cost of the PPC. Would that be a fair assessment? Uh, it, it's not just about converting to justify the PPC investment. Um, when it comes to uh, paid media, there are different there are different uh, channels that are responsible for different jobs. Right. Uh, okay. pay, paid search, by and large, is held responsible for uh, get, getting the customer closing the deal, or at least driving someone who is very much in the position where the landing page can close the deal. Uh, but there's display and YouTube, uh, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Twitter ads, TikTok ads, LinkedIn ads. Like there's there's the whole slew of other ads types out there that yes may also have some responsibility, if not a lot of responsibility to close the deal. Uh, but so it's also about generating an audience uh, that is excited to interact with you beyond just that one click. Um, so a conversion can be, yes, money changed hands, but conversion can also be building a relationship with someone who will then lead you to infinite value. Um, so part of the reason why I, I consider myself a PPC Sith uh, is I think about the passion behind the user. So Sith are ultimately driven by their passions. Uh, the, right. Like pieces of lie, uh, there's only passion. Um, and then also uh, uh, the uh, through victory, my chains are broken. We, we tend to get in paid media very bogged down in habitual practices. That All right, there's a set of keywords I'm going to bid on. Right. Uh, landing pages always have to be the same exact way. Uh, and And... I very much embody uh, and I encourage all uh, that that do any digital marketing to test. Um, You should never be complacent in the tactics that you're leveraging. You always want to think about what, what could I possibly do a little bit better? What is the one thing that, all right, maybe that's getting in the way of of me perfectly uh, capitalizing on, on ROI. Uh, Maybe this channel uh, has been neglected for far too long, or I'm doing this, I'm treating one channel the same way I treat another channel. So it's just, it's constantly thinking about how can I innovate? How can I uh, A-B test? Right. Can you just explain one thing to me? Siths, yeah? That's some Star Wars. Yes. Right. So in, in, yeah? in, the, in the movies, the Sith are the bad guys, <laughs> the Jedi are the good guys, and everyone oh, right. else is just ar- around. Um, but at, at its core, um, the Force is kind of this divine empowering being that has a will you can think of the force like god if you want uh and the sith try to master the force as in uh channel uh the divinity that that is and the spirituality that is all around them uh into their servant that typically has corrupting influences but at their heart they believe in following their passions and being and and living in the pragmatic reality that that is their very harsh existence. The Jedi, on the other hand, uh, in a very Buddhist mindset, seek to pull themselves away from their passions, uh, devoid themselves of all attachments. Um, And that can actually lead the Jedi to far more cruelty than the Sith can, because while the Sith, 
there is malicious, there, there will be malicious intent if they are trying to hurt you. With the Jedi, their indifference can sometimes cause even more harm. Uh, so the, where the analogy comes from, if, if you are constantly doing the same exact thing and you're not leaving yourself open to evolve or open to change, uh, the world will pass you by and, and you're, you're not going to be able to, 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 to do the things that your customers will need you to do. Um, on the same token, though, if you're constantly changing, you're constantly variable testing, you're, you're, and, and you're not allowing for any time to, to grow um, and, and actually to have stability, you're, you're going to end up ruining your tests and you're going to put yourself into the ground because of learning periods. So as a, a default, um, all ad platforms have learning periods. Uh, it's a minimum of f- five days. So I guess after this big long rant about Star Wars and PPC and digital marketing, I guess the moral of the story is go be a, gr- a gray Jedi or go be a bounty hunter. Um, right. Okay. Middle, I, I, of, middle of the road, gray. Go be gray. Yeah, I did rather open that up to you um, <laughs> and, and got the Star Wars explanation of how to do PPC. Um, I didn't know a lot of that stuff, but I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And this this idea of saying, don't always do the same thing, but then again, don't always chop and change. I mean, I think we all kind of think, oh, I, sh- I should tweak this and I should tweak that. And it's terribly tempting because we think we know what's going to work. So uh, the Project Bernanke story that that broke um, this, we- uh, this weekend about Google uh, using its own data and its own algorithms to, to run the bidding for, for its services. Um, a lot of people are trying to find a way to be upset about that. But what's interesting is that they're being very upfront. Uh, they said, if you do automated bidding, you will have access to the 60 plus signals that, that we have that you will not have access to if you do manual bidding. And what's really interesting, and I, this is not me saying, Google, Microsoft Ads, Facebook, Instagram, any of the app platforms yeah. are good, evil, neutral, what have you. But th- there is something to the idea of letting something sit, letting the data gather. Yeah. Um, and humans, when humans control the bids, when humans control the creative, when humans control pretty much everything, we, we want to pick at it. We want to change it. We want to uh, feel like we're contributing when it's actually just the, al- the algorithm rendering out our great work. So that's another reason why CRO I find really fun Mm. because it gets you to think about uh, your digital marketing and your testing in a healthy way. You set the parameters for what you want to test. You think about who is the persona I'm I'm looking to craft this for. Mm. What is the exact thing I I want to set? And then you let it sit and then you have data to go act Um, as opposed to, all right, I'm going to make this change and I'm going to make another change a week later. And I'm going to make another change a week after that. And it's it's just not healthy. Yeah, I, I find it very difficult to explain to people, you've actually just got to be patient and not touch it for a while because otherwise the data won't make any sense and you can't draw any conclusions. Have you tried comparing it to um, cooking a steak? No, I haven't. And I wouldn't have thought of comparing it to I've, cooking a steak. I feel like with the exception of vegetarians and vegans, and, and to be honest, most of them will, will be able will empathize with it. Um, cooking a steak is the art and science of letting it be. You you sear it enough, you you let it cook, and then you let it rest, and then you have a beautiful meal. If you're constantly flipping it, 
are going to have a, a, a rubbery shoe piece of nonsense that it doesn't matter how good the base was. It doesn't matter what amazing foundations you had to begin with. You ruined it by, by touching it too much. Right. Okay. Which explains why my steaks are always rubbish um, and I've given up making them. And in fact, because my daughter is a vegetarian, I'm living with her. I've become a vegetarian over the last year. So I've forgotten how to cook a steak. Thank you for the lesson. I'm actually not staying with her at the moment, so I can now go and cook a steak and I will use that piece of advice to make it the best steak of the year. It's not about cooking a steak. It's about oh. leaving things to rest. Sorry, I was taking that rather too literally. Anyway, back to the journey from, um, I mean, I, I've been really interested by the idea of the journey from the moment I search for something. Well, let's talk about Google ads. I search for something, I see the blue link, that attracts my eye. I read it, I think, oh, that's cool. Then I read the description, which promises some kind of solution. Then I go onto the page and it says, yes, this is the right page, it's the H1. Then it has a description that says, this is the solution. And it, it, it convinces me that this is the correct solution. Then it has a big green, red, purple, blue button that says, click here and complete. Would that be a fair assessment of that very short journey? It, so are you familiar with the Hogfather? Are we going to get into another kind of book or film? Uh, no, absolutely no idea. So uh, everyone should should see The Hogfather. Uh, it's a film. It's 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 a film and, and a book. Uh, it's Terry Pratchett. This is this is like um, <laughs> what is it the the, the, the game the miming game thing? It's a book and a film. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the, the reason I, I bring up The Hogfather is uh, The Hogfather saves the world. Uh, from these evil forces <laughs> that want to kill Santa and kill the Tooth Fairy and kill, like, basically imagination. And so oh. what I, I was about to compare it to um, is that there's this beautiful uh, way that he describes, I'm not going to even try, uh, where instead of saying that the sun rises, which is, it inspires all the majesty and beauty that, that is the thing, there's then uh, a big ball of gas will float up and the new the nutrients will pass through in, into the world. Like it's just it's the idea of when you're talking about a user doing a thing, and then they they see the X Y Z thing, and then they they interact with X Y Z thing. Um, yeah. What that fails to do, um, and it's important, is think about what exactly inspired the user to to read and, to, and and see and to do that exact search search to engage with that exact experience um and then did the the landing page experience regardless of whether it's paid or organic uh did it in, did it meet the user where they were did it uh try to meet them uh too early as in going too aggressive on the sale uh, was it too passive? Was it uh, giving too much information and not enough? All right, here's where you need to go to convert. Um, so it just, yes, what you described is 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 correct. But I, I I would actually encourage most folks to think about it less in in that very X Y Z thing happens. You just um, call me the hog father. This is a hog father approach, and you're saying be a bit more empathetic. You, I, I don't know if you realize this, but you actually are a very good stand-in for the hog father. Oui, you, you're, very, you're very jolly. You're always empowering people with presents. <laughs> like, beautiful, but Thank going you. like on the Sierra piece. Um, one of the other things that that I, that I think a lot of people forget about 
uh, is how easy it is to actually become a customer will greatly influence whether or not you'll, you'll get the sale. So right. one of my biggest pet peeves, uh, especially in e-commerce, is, the, is when a website will demand that you sign up for the full service or to give all that information as opposed to allowing me to either check out as a guest or better yet have one click checkout. Um, now I, I grant you that that means you are going to miss out on all of their information, but odds are you still are going to be able to capture at least their email to nurture them uh, moving forward. Um, and then also uh, I have abandoned more pro- products and services than I've uh, actually purchased specifically because I was like, ah, oh, man, I, I got to go find my card. I got to go like look up this thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go get to it later. And then I never do. Um, this is especially important uh, with uh, third party cookies and, and basically the way that remarketing is going to function uh, depreciating that we, we are going to need to be able to either get that user on that first go or we're going to need to nurture them through first party data like email. So just the strategies that you think about for CRO, uh, empowering people to engage on that first go or, or and or uh, collecting that first party data. But sorry, what, what you just said something that now opens up a whole bag of fish, uh, which is the way things are going to change with remarketing data being much scarcer means you have to get that email first go or sell first go. Uh, is this going to change the entire face of e-commerce? Uh, I don't think it's going to change the entire face of e-commerce uh, for the folks that are managing their accounts well. Um, so a, lo- a lot of the changes on the PPC side, or at least the paid media side, uh, they tend to scare the folks that were not already really thinking about their customers from a holistic point of view. They think about right. it from that uh, devoid of magic point of view, where it's a very semantic, mechanical, I pull my levers and I'm I'm good. Uh, so for the, uh, just as a, a quick, because I, I, I realize that uh, we might not have as much time. Um, well, you've got you th- 10 minutes to explain the entire future of e-commerce without cookies. <laughs> um, so there is something called dynamic remarketing uh, where you would have the product that the, that the user abandoned mm. follow the user around based off of the user landing on the site. With third-party cookies uh, going away, that means the only way that you would have that ad serve to a user is either if that user gave you their email um, and you use something called customer match, uh, where Google matches that uh, that user to the email that that they've given you. Uh, there are certain requirements there. Uh, or you've established a direct relationship with that particular website to advertise your specific products to those people. So I think what you're going to start to see uh, into uh, the rest of this year and into 2022 is far more of an emphasis on personas and understanding which groups of people are actually your customers and less about nagging someone, buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing. You landed on the page. Why aren't you buying my thing? Mm. And more about what is it about this user that re- that motivates them to want my product or service? What kind of content might they be on? Uh, what kind of tangential interest might they have? Uh, and if I can catch that email and, and generate that, that true connection, um, I can continue that conversation. I also can prospect off of that list and do similar audiences look like audiences off so of I mean, that first party data. 
But I mean, emails become incredibly precious and the capacity mm -hmm. to actually write to me, it becomes incredibly precious. This is taking us off, kind of, well, it's, it's still on com uh, conversion rate optimization, but spam folders. Mm -hmm. Getting pushed into spam is a phenomenal problem. I mean, you get the email, but you get pushed into spam. You need to manage your email list incredibly well. You need to be really careful. Uh, that that you do. Uh, and it's very, very important that not only are when you're you're earning that email, Oh, uh, earning the email, I like that. Yeah, you're, so uh, this is it's interesting for me because I I very much am a SEO to PPC minded marketer. I, oh. I'm not as much of an email minded marketer. Uh, I'm I'm sure you talk to me in a year or two years now that now that I'm just you know yeah uh, you'll 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 hear more email minded marketer things coming out of me. Um, but what's interesting is that like I think about what is the kind of experience that you can create to uh, establish trust? What are the kinds of campaigns that you could serve to someone uh, that's, that trusts you enough to, to give you their email? Mm. The email-minded marketer Ooh. is going to talk more about what is the type of content and what is the kind of frequency that you want to um, engage a user? So uh, the example I gave recently, there's uh, a phenomenal product, uh, Lumi. Uh, it's amazing deodorant. Uh, love it. Amazing, wonderful. Um, really good well, ads too. Um, Lumi sounds like a, a SaaS platform. I thought you were going to say it's a great SaaS platform for something. No, it's it's actually a phenomenal, amazing, amazing product. But their ads are also on point. Um, the The way that they communicated with me as a customer, uh, where I got my email uh, saying that the order was shipped, I should be excited because it's it's almost there. And then I got about a month later uh, a coupon for 20% off if I wanted to order again because I got the starter kit. So just the, the idea of thinking about what is the product that the user purchased and what is a meaningful conversation that they can have, that you can have with that person yeah. um, based off of that product. And that translates to SaaS uh, B2B as well. Um, when someone engages uh for a, a service that when someone engages uh, for, for a bit of software and understanding what what does that person need one month, two months, six months after that initial purchase? Uh, what can we do to turn our customers into brand advocates that then bring in other customers? Right. It's that journey. You're yeah, always, no, and, always and, journeying. And it, I mean, it also comes down to, I mean, the whole thing about conversion, keeping your client, it comes down to empathy for the client, understanding kind of who it is we're talking to, um, which is Rand Fishkin's favorite thing. Empathy is a super power is what he keeps saying. Um, and I mean, and sympathy. I was about to say, in fact, empathy is incredibly difficult to have because you can't feel what the other person is feeling. But what you can have is sympathy for what it is they're experiencing. So uh, please expand on that because you've probably got loads more to say about sympathy uh, and empathy than I do. No, um, it, it's we, we probably have about the same amount. Um, <laughs> Five minutes we've got. <laughs> but, so, so, but, but for conversion rate optimization, if we talk about sympathy rather than empathy, so the, the sympathy for the person. Sorry, go ahead. So um, one of the reasons I, I genuinely uh, dislike and I will always encourage a brand to stay away from serif fonts uh, is that uh, they are more difficult to read than sans serif fonts on a computer. Uh, and as someone that is uh, minorly dyslexic, uh, it is genuinely harder for me to read and process information in serif font 
um, especially in mass, than uh, sans serif font. Um, and just having that accessibility, uh, mm. mindfulness uh, of what is the experience that you're creating? What hurdles are you creating for people to, to engage with you? So an another thing is just thinking about uh, there's there's a phenomenal uh, product testing uh, software called uh, Full Story, right? And they have in it something called Rage Clicks, where what is the user doing? Where they're clicking constantly, and they think it should lead somewhere, but it's either not loading fast enough or it doesn't go anywhere. What kind of experiences are you creating for a user that are creating those little frictions? that start to chip away at their love of you, at their love and their trust of, of you and your product. Uh, and just being mindful of those pain points, um, whether you feel them or not, uh, just just accounting for it and building for it. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea of kind of those tiny little problems that add up. I mean, I talk about brand sets all the time and everyone gets bored senseless when we're talking about, but, uh, if I'm a client of a company and I navigate to their site by site searching their brand name, every time I see that brand surf and there's something negative or inaccurate on it, it chips away a tiny little amount at my appreciation or my trust of that brand. And I think we, as brands and business people and companies, underestimate that cumulative um, building of frustration or lack of trust or whatever that that we I assume have. it's one and it's one forever this trust but maybe sorry go ahead yeah well so I have a, a really good story uh, for this so I have been uh, banking and, and investing really with fidelity uh, since I was nineteen like it's just it's it, they are my uh, go to I love them to pieces they are my absolute favorite I had one really, really cruddy customer uh, success experience where I got logged out of my account um, and they sent me through a text. Uh, you, did you intend to, like, did you try to log in? We've blocked you. Please call to, to remove the block. I call them, but then they couldn't actually unblock it for me uh, or like they yeah. could unblock it, but they couldn't like get me in, I still then had to go through a whole series of other steps. I was just thinking about that customer experience. If I wasn't already a deeply, deeply brand loyal customer, that would have caused so much friction. Um, conversely, um, and I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for only mentioning financial companies, but um, uh, and Chase... And deodorants. And deodorants. <laughs> <laughs> Nava Hopkins, deodorants and finance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Chase, uh, I had an issue where I lost my card and this was like a brand new uh, card for me and they were perfect about it. It's like next day I had it. It was, uh, they, they put uh, securities and, and almost like forwarding so that there was very little interruption uh, for, for products and services. So just being mindful of, of those experiences and how when you communicate with your customer, it's not just about that email. It's not just about the ads. It's not just about the organic landing page or, or the, the, the main site or your paid landing pages. Every single communication is, is part of that conversion rate optimization story. Um, and any weak links you want to fix, anything that's doing great, keep empowering it. That's a, the most delightful conclusion I've heard in many a week. Thank you very much, Nava. That was a delightful conversation, funny, enjoyable, and informative, and I love the way you ended it. Quickly to the audience, thank you for being here. Uh, do come back next week. We've got Chris Bruno turning up to talk about something 
that is standing out on social media. Uh, he's delightful from the UK and rather very intelligent and smart, just like Nava Hopkins. Thank you for being here. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Nava. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot.